Hey everyone and welcome back to the Purposeful Mindset Podcast. I'm honestly so grateful that you're subscribed to my podcast and I'm excited to share yet another episode with you. This podcast is all about bringing servant leaders to share their stories and life experiences with you all in the hopes to help more people to find their true purpose and meaning to life. Today I have such an incredible guest. I'm super excited to share his wisdom with you all. His name is Peter Taunton and he has come a very long way from selling popcorn as a 10-year-old in front of his father's grocery store in Wilmar, Min. As CEO of Snap Fitness, Taunton is still giving customers what they want, where they want it, by applying that formula and breaking a few rules to create a fast-growing $30 million fitness center franchising business. Youngest of seven, he fondly recalls growing up in Wilmar as a continuous summer vacation and keeps his second grade class picture in his office to remind him of how far he's come. Admitting that his fitness centers do not appeal to everyone, he confesses that his family also has a membership in a traditional club so his kids can swim and his wife can take group fitness lessons. In this episode, Peter shares his wisdom around how to overcome fear, grow through challenges and be grateful for the life you have today. His humble message and kind heart can truly be felt as he reminds us all that we are our own biggest number one fan. So without further ado, let's get straight into this episode. Hey Peter, thank you so much for being on the Purposeful Mindset podcast with me. I'm honestly humbled, honoured and grateful to have you on my podcast. As I was just mentioning to you off, off, off the camera, I like, I'm so... I'm just so grateful that some of the recent guests I've been having on my show have been amazing. And like, if I, ha- if I hadn't met David Meltzer through social media, if I haven't met his team, and if they haven't been helping me with like gaining a lot of these new um, guests for me on my podcast, I, like, I, I would have honestly just been hustling behind the scenes and you know, reaching out to other guests that, that, like I was before at the beginning. But, um, yeah. but I'm super happy that you're on, on my show and I really want you to just start with just um, sharing a, like, briefly your story and your journey with everyone so far, because I know your lifestyle and what you're doing right now and what you've built, the empires you've built, have been absolutely amazing. I literally only heard about you around two weeks ago from this, from this podcast <laughs> episode. I was like, how have I not been following this guy? Like, where has he been on social media? I've never seen him. Yeah. And so I'm really, really grateful. And yeah, like the, this show is all yours, man. Well, first, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me. Right, I love I love doing these these type of things and and sharing my real life stories and and that's what you hadn't heard of me. I I, I when I stepped down as the CEO of Lift Brands about a year ago, I kept a fairly low profile, right? And then it was social media itself that watching it and and seeing so many people stand up and and give people um, direction and advice that really didn't have any hands-on practical experience that prompted me to say, look, I'm, I'm going to step in there and I'm going to tell the real stories and the real life stories and, and, and some of the, the, uh, overcoming adversity and challenges to grow a business and, uh, and, and just give not so much business theory, but literally give firsthand accounts of, of, of when certain things happen in business, how to respond to them, how to react to them and how it served me well. I love that. I love that. But you know, so I want to kind of uh, kind of dive a bit deeper now, and I want to kind of know a little bit about how, like, where did it all start for you, though? Like, where did the whole like fitness aspect of you come from? Like, as a, as a kid, like, tell me a little bit about well, how did you grow well, up as, as a kid? Well, I grew up. I'm, I'm the youngest of seven kids. I have an identical wow. twin, and youngest of seven kids with with an identical twin. 
And for me, work started when I was eight years old. My dad, I grew up in a small town in the Midwest and my dad had a grocery store in this little home in, in our small town. And at eight years old, he put me to work. He said, look, I want you to sell popcorn in front of my grocery store. And it's something that my brothers and sisters all did before me. And it was just an opportunity. Now, now at eight years old, you think, oh my gosh, that's so young. And it, and it was. But what, some of the life lessons that I learned at eight years old, I didn't think for, for the life of me that I would be, that some of those lessons I learned at eight, I would be applying today. And one perfect example, the first life lesson that I learned from my father was, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, my father walks by my popcorn stand and he walks about 35 feet past me. He stops and I'm watching him, of course, you know, intently. He stops and he pivots and he turns back towards me. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, what did I do? And he stops in front of my popcorn machine and he says, how are sales? How's business? And in my little eight year old mind, I was going to go into this dissertation of why business was kind of slow. And he stopped me and he says, your business is slow because you're not getting out from behind the counter. You need to get from out from behind that counter. You need to approach people and ask them if they would like some of your popcorn. And so I did just that. I got out from behind my counter at eight years old and I would go pull on the sleeve of adults and they'd look down at me and I, and they, and I would say, hi, would you like some popcorn? It's, I just popped it. It's delicious, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's hard to say no. There's a little bit of a cute factor in there as an eight-year-old yeah. going out there with this little side hustle selling popcorn. And, you know, they would come over and they would buy popcorn. Well, my, my sales, obviously, they doubled, right? So the life lesson there was... If you want something, go get it. It's not just going to come to you. And whether it's selling popcorn or starting your business or driving your business, it's just a great life lesson that things don't just magically happen. You have to assert yourself and go get it. All right. So I did that. So, and what got me into the health and fitness space, just segueing, transitioning up about 13 years or three years or five years later, uh, you know how sometimes when you play a sport, sometimes things just come naturally to you? Yeah. For me, that sport was racquetball. When I was 13 years old, I picked up a racquetball racket for the first time, and it was a sport that, that, I, that, I, that I, I, I grabbed a hold of fairly quickly. It came easy for me. And within a matter of four years, I went from picking up a racket to be a, sponsoring, a sponsored touring pro. And um, so I was sponsored by one of the largest racket manufacturers in the world. And, um, and it gave me an opportunity to travel around the country and play racquetball. I loved it. And um, I, you couldn't make a real living at it, but I loved the environment. So mm -hmm. that was kind of my first introduction into, into health and wellness. Here's what I knew. I knew that I loved sports. I loved the whole competitive nature around it. I, I knew that the health and wellness space was a place that I wanted to be because the people were fairly positive and it was, it was a good energy. Um, and, and so that's what got me into the space, the field where I thought I'd, I would, I would enjoy it. And, and, and God willing, if I could somehow create a career out of this, I, I would do it. And, and it happened when I was about 22 years old, I had in the hometown that I grew up in was this health club and the health club was losing money every year. And one, and one day I, I approached the owners of this health club and I said, look, if you guys ever want to turn this club around, call me. And, and uh, about a year and a half later, my phone rang. It was these guys. And they said, look, we'd like you to come and try to turn our club around. And they said, well, we're going to pay you $16,000 a year, which is 
like poverty, okay, 16,000 a year. But they said, if you can turn this business around, we will let you acquire equity with the profits. And I'm sure that they thought it was a bit of a Hail Mary, but it was, it was an opportunity for me and I, and I did it. To make a long story short, in a, in a matter of eight years, I had acquired enough equity in that business to buy everyone out. Now I own that one health club by myself. And that was essentially my springboard. When I, when I had that one club paid for, I went back to the bank, I got a loan, I built another club. When I got the loan, paid down about halfway, I, I would go get another loan. And I kept doing that. I built seven clubs and I did that for 20 years. And in 20 years, I had built seven full service big clubs. And then I sold those. And, and then about a year later, I started what is today called Snap Fitness, which was 15 years ago. And when you think about Snap Fitness, I look at, even though I had had 20 years of experience in the health and wellness space, the, it was the training ground for me for, for building my empire, which was Snap Fitness and the wellness brand. So uh, with, with Snap Fitness, clearly huge success in 15 years. As I sit and reflect back, 15, 15 years ago, about to the date, April, 15 years ago, I built my, my first club. And you think about it today, I've got almost 6,000 locations in 28 countries spread across three different brands. So wow. it's pretty amazing how large it became. And, and more importantly, it just goes to show that anything is possible if you put your mind to it. And you know, you, you, you're saying that as well, and you just reminded me, like they started growing rapidly in London too, right? At some point, I saw, yes. I saw yes. them around the corners of these like random kind of um, apartment yeah. buildings. And I was like, what's this new Snap Fitness 24-7 Fitness? I'm like, what, what's yes. this all about? And I started yes. seeing them growing. And I was like, this is a new gym. Like, I've, I've never been in there. I've never really um, heard of this brand before. So it started yeah. rapidly growing in London as well. And now that you're speaking, it kind of reminded me, oh, actually, I've seen a lot of them in London. Yeah, so I have a lot of them in, in, in London. And as, as I said to you earlier, London's one of my favorite cities. There's, there's such a great energy there. And you, and you think about London. London is a very, very competitive market, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of clubs, uh, a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. So it just goes to show that, you know, the validation of your product that you've got to be able to survive and thrive in a com competitive environment. Mm -hmm. And, and then that's one of the things that I, that I attribute to our brand is number one, it has to be a product that's relevant, but number two, the, the training that goes into the, into, into the staff of these franchisees, they're so passionate about what they do. And, and that, that's one of the things I'm so blessed to have in, in, in the UK my franchisees, they're so passionate. They love, they absolutely, they love people. They love helping people. They love helping people meet their, meet their fitness goals and wellness challenges. And, and so they feel like they're partners with all of their members, which is a great synergy. No, hundred percent. And I think, I think what you said is really key because you know, when, when we have a passion for something, right, you're more likely to put a lot of your time and energy into it. Like a lot of people say, Sadiq, how do you find so much time to be on social media, post every single day, do your speaking stuff, work full time still in a bank? Like, how do you find time to do all of these things? I, oh, I have a podcast. Like, how do you do all of this? And I'm like, one thing, I, every single one of the things that you just mentioned, I love every single one of them. Right. And, and that's yeah. why I pour my energy and my, and my passion into them. And I yeah. work on the things that that I truly love. And the reason why my energy never goes to zero is because I know how to recharge. 
I know how to work on my mind. So I, I, I stay positive every day and grateful and, and ground myself every day. And, yes. and I'm, just, I'm just lucky to have been born with a lot of natural crazy energy. So yeah. that was another kind of advantage for me is like, I tell people, don't compare yourself with me because I'm very different. I was, I, was, I was luckily born with a lot of natural energy, which you may not have, but I promise you, you can find it within you. Yeah, that energy, that energy manifests itself with passion. And so when you have passion, I mean, you think about the word passion, what does it mean? Well, passion means that you've got a very, very strong feeling for it, yeah. right? You're lo- you love it. You, you, you do it for free, right? Yeah. You just love it. And, and when you're doing something you love, it brings you joy. And, mm-hmm. that, and so all of those things are so important. I mean, I can't imagine in my life, I was blessed just like you, so fortunate to do something that I love. And I'm literally one of those people that says, I've never had to work a day in my life. And as cliche as that sounds, you know, it's, it's like when people say, you know, money can't buy you happiness. Mm-hmm. It seems like the only people that say that are people that are rich. Okay. <laughs> I will tell you that, that my, life with money or life without, take the, take the bucket with money. Okay. So given the choice, take the money. All right. So number one, because life is a hell of a lot easier with money than without. Yeah. All right. Now, with that said, money doesn't make the man. So don't let money ruin you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Money can be the root cause of all evil if you let it. So but if you use money as a vehicle to do good and 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 uh, and you realize that money doesn't define who I am. And those are just things that I that I think about. And I I didn't come to that conclusion for me. I didn't draw that conclusion until about literally five years ago. Okay. Five years ago where I looked, I had been, I, I went through a divorce and I was at, I was at a point in my life that although financially I was, I was, I was set. I had, I had, you know, made over a hundred million dollars in my companies. I had all just, you know, financially I was set for not just myself, but the, my next 10 generations. Right. So and, and when, I, when I was reflecting on that, I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, I'm still not happy. As happy as I should be, I'm not that happy. So uh, literally, it, it, it prompted me to do some soul searching and think about what is it that really makes me, makes me tick? Because it's clearly not the challenge of making money. Mm-hmm. So that, it, what it forced me to do is to try to find more balance in my life. And so my balance came from, obviously, Still running companies, that challenge of building a company and, and empowering people, that's very, that's very rewarding. Um, my, 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 my spiritual walk, right, at just having my faith walk and, and being real, and then my philanthropic endeavors about what am I going to do to make a difference in other people's lives who are less fortunate, which is, mm-hmm. which is why I do a lot of consulting now and talking to a lot of people who are essentially stuck in their entrepreneurial journey. And I'm so amazed at, at the, the people. I'm able to talk to people from all over the world. And it, there's this universal theme of these of people that, that they become stuck in their lives. And they just need a little push in the right direction. And, and, I'm, and I'm blessed that I'm able to share some of my life experiences and tell them, I've been where you are. And I can tell you how that story ends. So I, I'm going to suggest that you make a little pivot and head down this other direction, and you're going to find it much, much more rewarding. What, what I find, what is so rewarding for me is when six months later, I'll get a call from some of these people saying, hey, look, 
Mm. Best advice you ever gave me, right? That is so rewarding for me, personally. Uh, for me too, man, honestly, like, because like I do a lot of speaking and I do a lot of like content and in my content, I speak a lot about personal growth, mindset, taking action, literally, I think it's at, at the time of this podcast now, around three weeks ago or three and a half weeks ago, I gave my first TEDx talk and it was all about consistently taking action to find your true purpose. Because yeah. for the last six years plus, I've just been working on my mind. I've been working on myself. I've just been pushing barriers. I've been just... Because over six years ago, Peter, I was super shy. I couldn't speak to a woman. I had eight friends. All I did was play Call of Duty, go to work, come back home, ate, slept, and repeated the same thing every day. Wow. That was my life. Yeah. And I completely transformed it. I gave that, P that PlayStation 4, I gave it to my brother. I was like, take it. I never want to play games again. I was a complete waste of my life, waste of my time. And I just, like, I just ingrained my whole energy into personal growth. And man, I was me, I was... You know, I was just, uh, when, I, when I figured out what social media really is and not just post pictures of my car, I, yeah. I, I figured out, holy crap, there's actually amazing people out there who are true servant leaders, who are super passionate entrepreneurs, business people. There's so many people out there that are just hungry for success and like to help people. I was like, yeah. I want to do something. I was like, how does Sadiq find the thing that he loves? So I, right. so I did an online business for five years didn't really work for me. I didn't find that, that love for it as I thought I would have, but I stuck to it for five years and I gave it my hundred percent. It yes. just happened. It just happened to be that it didn't work out. But right. then through doing that, and this is why I tell people always try things in your life because only through doing something, you'll find the thing that you really love. And through doing yes. that, when I was speaking at some of the events, I was like getting all the feedback, just like you said, Peter, like the people that message you or come to come to you after the event or call you later on and say, man, you've changed my life. You said this one thing that completely yeah. shifted for me. I'm like, wow. And that's when yeah. I thought, I want to be a speaker. Like I want to inspire people. I want to give them hope. I want to give them some of my energy so they can go away from after meeting me today and take action in their life or do something more um, right. towards their greatness. And that's the bit, and that's the tough part for a lot of people is, is taking the action. And yeah. I tell people, look, in some cases they go, ah, oh, you know, I don't know how to get started. And I tell them, you already have, you already have by calling me that would, that took, a, that took an action. So you're already moving down the path. So give yourself more credit than you do. And, and, and that's, and it's really interesting when I talk to people like that and I tell them, look, before you can take a step forward, we need to do some house cleaning in your head yeah. because the six inches between your ears is, is your worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along this process, you beat yourself down to this place where you feel like you're not worthy of success. You're not worthy of happiness. And there's not an ounce of truth in that. You need to understand that, look, everyone experiences failure in their life. In fact, some of the best life lessons you will ever learn are going to be in moments of failure. And, and so my, my advice to you when you fail, embrace it and, and understand why it is that you failed and then try not to repeat whatever it is that action was that was the, that, that was the material difference in your failure. But understand, if every day you get up and it's, and it's kittens, balloons, and butterflies, and you never deal with adversity, that's just a fake existence. Yeah. And the first time a crisis comes along, you're going you're gonna to crumble. Yeah, so true. You know? So it's just, I tell people, you look, fear, fear is a dream killer. So let's get rid of that right away. Don't be afraid of failure. You need to understand that, that fear manifests itself between your ears. So don't let it win. Just understand that you have what it takes. 
We're just going to, we're going to chart a plan. We're going to create a plan and then we're going to execute on that plan. And it's not to say that it's going to be a straight line up and to the right. It is going to dip a little bit from time to time. And that's called business. That's what it is. It's business. And, and there's not a successful person I, that I've ever spoke to that's, that's, that's been able to accumulate any high degree of wealth. Not, no kidding. There's not a one of us that'll, that'll not have a dozen war stories of how we had to overcome adversity, those character building moments. And when I say a dozen, I mean, all of us have failed hundreds of times in our life, hundreds of times. And it's just, that is just part of it. And we have no, we have no fear for fear. I love that. We have no fear for fear. That's amazing. I'm going to make you like a, I want to make you like a, a quote for your Instagram with a bit of beautiful <laughs> picture of you, Peter, that says, that, um, that says exactly what you just said. And I'll just yeah, put it there. No like, have no fear of fear. Have no fear of fear. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Um, talk to us a little bit about, or, or, or share with us one of the, one of the biggest failures that you face on your, on your journey so far and, and what you learned from it's that. A, it's a great one within, within lift brands with my, my wellness company, Oh, there was a period of time, and, and keep in mind, I had many uh, uh, really talented people that I worked with. So, and I think part of part of building a great company is surrounding yourself with great people. And with great people, you got to give them the ability to to be creative and to and to live and die by their by, by some of their own decisions, right? So, you, you you collectively you hire the right talent, and then you collectively as a group you talk about whatever some of these initiatives might be, and then you press forward. The initiative that I'm that I'm talking about was we I, I asked because when you have six thousand locations, you have your own universe on if you wanted to create your own software platform, as an example, mm. you don't ever have to sell it outside of your own network because you've got enough of a client base right there within your own umbrella for this to be a a, a, a huge profit center for you, number one. But and number two increase so many efficiencies for your entire network of clubs and the reporting capabilities would be all custom to what you need to run those three unique different businesses all in the wellness space. So I sat down with my team and I said, look, I, if, if we can somehow create our own software platform, th this would be, this would have a material difference in the efficiencies within our company, but also we pay, you know, you think of, think about it. We we would pay several million dollars a year for a third party for access of their software. Okay, mm -hmm. and I just said, look, we can write our own software. Well, we did it. Well, I tell you what, it looks easier than it than it than it appears. And <laughs> my team said we can do it. And, and and to make a long story short, the 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 project took three times longer than we thought. We thought that we could do it in about a year. We worked on it for three to four years, number one. Secondly, we thought it was going to cost us probably a million to a million and a half dollars of development time. It probably cost four million. Wow. Um, and, here, and here's the punchline. The punchline is the product was never right now. Our company is transitioning to a third party software. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're going right back to where we started. <laughs> because the amount of resources it takes to run your own back office software, it's, it's not worth It's just not worth it. So here's, here's what I'm most upset about. I'm not as a, I'm not so upset that we probably spent overall probably four to $6 million. That doesn't bother me so much because money comes and goes. What troubles me 
is the 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 anguish and the um, frustration that our franchisees experienced as we were developing this and trying to roll it out. You know, they we we so under delivered on what we intended to do, and it was not intentional. Mm-hmm. We wanted it to work more than anyone, but the life lesson there is: Hey, look, you know what, Peter? You need to stay in your lane. There's certain things that you can that you can do that makes sense, and this one was a bit of a stretch. But it was a great life lesson for me that I share often with people that think they want to go down this path of creating their own software. Today, there's so many softwares that you can take right off the shelf that are going to work perfectly for what you're looking to accomplish. I love that. It's, it's, oh, it was so, it was such a such a learning experience. I can imagine, gosh. man. Like it's just, oh, I guess gosh. the most. I think. I mean, I'm. I'm just. This is just from my perspective. But I think probably the the most uh, upsetting feeling for you was just the time that was wasted rather than anything else. Because as you said, money comes and goes, but the one thing that never comes back is your time. Time, the time, and then also the decision that we made, because ultimately the decision was not made in a vacuum. I, I had very smart people around me that all they did was sling code. Okay, so they were professional coders. And they all, we all believed that we, that they could do it. And I believed in them. And so when they said we can do it, then I said, let's start the process. Let's do it. So ultimately, I own that decision of, of giving them the green light to go. Mm. But the, one of the most frustrating, what the, the biggest disappointment for me is, as we said, it's not the money. It's the frustration and anguish that I put the franchisees through. Because mm. that's something... It's one thing if I'm doing it to myself, I can deal with it. But, but you know, for my recklessness costs the frustration to those franchisees, I can't give them that time back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I guess that's a good thing. You know what? I, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, I hope that our franchisees can, can find comfort in knowing that, Hey, look, that, bo- that bothers me. It bothers me to this day. So enough to where here we are with you, with your audience to say, look, what is, what's your biggest whiff, Peter? What was your biggest mistake that you regret? And the one, and the one thing I'm talking about was not, not, so, not so much that the software itself, but was the frustration I put people through. Mm. My decision caused frustration for others. That bothers me. But that, for me, like just listening to you say that, for me, that's just like a, that's just pure, just like you being super vulnerable and having so much love for your people. That's for me, that's like the, the pinnacle of a servant leader. Like the yeah. fact that you care so much about your people more than yourself, like you'll give, like you, you knew that you made them go through that painful time. Like for me, that's, that's an amazing attribute as, as a leader in, in business. And you know what, that's a, it's a great point. And, I, and I'll tell you what, I talk about this too, getting, getting people to go to battle for you. All right. Mm. Leading, leading people. And, and one thing, and once again, going back to me as a small child, eight years old, watching my father in the grocery store. So my father owned the grocery store. One minute you'd see him at the checkout stand running the till. Another moment you'd see him carrying out groceries. The next moment he'd be doing the books in the office. And then you turn around again and he's shoveling the sidewalk, you know, when it's snow. So my father he never put himself above anything. And what his people loved about him is that he's, he didn't run his business like a dictator. He would get right in the trenches with you mm. and work right beside you. And even though he didn't have to, people say, oh, you know, you're the owner. You don't need to do this. No, 
and, and I carried that with me all the way through, even at lift brands, some of the mornings when I would come into the office, if it had snowed and there was a few inches of snow on the sidewalk, I would simply grab the shovel and just shovel it because it's for the amount of time it would take me to go get somebody. I'm perfectly healthy and perfectly capable to shovel it. I'll knock it out in 10 minutes. It's, by the time I go find someone, I would have been done with it, right? Yeah. And people would always come out. My, my employees would come out and go, hey, Peter. And they try to take the shovel from it. And I would say, guys, I've, I've got this. This is no big deal. I'll be done in a few minutes. It's no big deal. But people love the fact that you're willing to just put yourself out there, that you're willing to get in the trenches with them. You know, you live and die together. And, and that's, to me, when you, can, when you do that for your staff, um, they, they, they appreciate it. And just like with your staff, if you give them the ability to, to chase their dream a little bit, give them, don't clip their wings, don't micromanage them, empower them to make decisions and, and, and let them know that, look, when you fail, understand, um, we're going to learn from it and we're going to learn from it together. Otherwise, what you're going to do is you're going to micromanage people and you're going to fear, you're going to put fear into them so, so badly that they're going to, you're just going to push them into a corner and you're going to completely limit their ability to give you their, their biggest value, which is creative, the creative mind. Absolutely love that. So powerful. And that reminds me of something a mentor of mine once taught me is that like, never tell people what to do, show them. So yeah. rather than telling them, go and do this, please. And, and dictating, as you said, like show them like the way you went out there and you were showing these people, look, I don't, I don't need you go just because I'm at a certain level or I own this place or I'm like higher than you. It doesn't mean I'll be, uh, I'm, I'll be arrogant enough to just be like, Hey, go and get someone to come and do this for me. You were Absolutely. just into it, right? And, and with my staff too, over the years, I co-signed for many of my staff for their homes. I helped them co-sign for their cars. There's nothing more rewarding as an employer watching one of your staff buy their first new car mm. or watching your, your someone in your staff, they get married and they have their first child. You don't think about it, but if, if, if you love people, you vicariously experience all these little life adventures that they're going through. And, and it's, it's really because at the end of the day, you, sometimes I have to pinch myself and say, wow, you know what, what an unbelievable life I've had. When I think about the hundreds of thousands of people's lives that I've, that I've influenced along the way, uh, whether it be people that work for me directly or people that I've spoken to in, in, in trade shows or, or in, inside the Snap Fitness Clubs or the Nine Round Clubs or Fitness on Demand, it's, it's, it's amazing. So I, I always consider myself so lucky to be in that position. Amazing. I love it. Something that you said that kind of triggered something in my mind, just thinking now, is talk to me a little bit about, or for the listeners that are listening now, could you share a little bit about like in those times when you maybe felt a bit lonely, when you maybe felt like you were, you were alone and you just, you know, like you, you felt like giving up or you just felt like there's no one, you know, you know, sometimes we just need that person to speak to, to just let yeah. our, our negative energy out. You know what? I, I fortunately for me in business, in my business world, I never felt lonely in business. The, the, the loneliest I've ever felt is probably in the last five years being single, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. And yeah. um, so because in business, I was always surrounded with people and I've always been really, really passionate about business, just like I'm really passionate about people. So that I was never lonely at work because my mind was always going 100 miles an hour. But when you when you get home, as an example. And, and, and if you're going to be honest and true and vulnerable, 
Um, you say, hey, look, I've never been lonelier in my life than I am right now, right in this moment, like right in this moment right now. OK, so you think about it. I'm single and you, you want to really take a step back and absorb it just about life. So think about myself. Private jet, yacht, $10 million lake home in, Minneapolis, in my up north. I live in a penthouse in Miami, Ferrari, Aston Martin. Think about all of the shit that I've accumulated in my, in my life and that I have presently right now. More money than I can spend in the bank. And I still can't. And, and the one thing that I can't find is, is the, a, a real love. Okay. Like a true companion. Now my friends think, now don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem dating beautiful women, mm. but I, I don't want to be a serial dater. And as crazy as that sounds, some of my married friends say, Peter, you are, you have got it made. You've got all these things and you're single. So they think like it's just a buffet and you can just go date all these beautiful women. And I tell them that is an empty existence. I have no interest in that. I have no interest in that. I've, I've been there and I've done it. I don't, I would rather have consistency in a relationship. Right. I, I mean, I had met a girl, um, boy, it's been about a year and a half, two years ago now. And I thought she was the one I was ready to marry her. Right. But then it kind of imploded a little bit, you know, this is probably six, six months ago now, but, um, it's, but that's what I want. I want a real relationship of somebody that I come home to where we have common interest. I'm not asking for the moon. She's got to take great, she's got to take great care of herself. Cause look, I've been in the wellness space my whole life. Right. Yeah. So a common ground that I'm going to have with this person is someone that I wanted that we do things together. I live an active lifestyle. Yeah. I, I, I work out every day. But then I'll also go, I'll go for a bike ride and I don't call the bike ride my workout. That's just for leisure. So, you know, what I, mean? I love that. I love travel. I love, I love sitting around with friends and having a good margarita and laughing and sharing stories. Right. So that's, I'm patient though. I'm, I'm waiting for her and uh, um, you know, I keep looking, but it's, it's a slow process. I promise you. <laughs> it's crazy, right? It drives me absolutely crazy, but yeah. I, I honestly, I pray about it every day. I mean, I'm, I'm just hoping one day God will just drop her in my, in my pad here. She's going to come in the, in the, when the right time is, is there, man. hundred percent. And that's what I truly believe in. I believe in it. And, and I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it right this time. You know, I was married for 20 years, so I know it, you know, I know what being married looks and feels like, and I, I'm not afraid of it. I look forward to someday being married again and settling down and, and, uh, and living a full life. So I'm really excited for what the next 50 years looks like for me. Yeah. Do you have any kids? Yeah, I have three. They're not kids anymore, though. They're, oh, they're, how old are they? Yeah, my son, my oldest son uh, is Max. He's 25, just turned. Wow. Uh, and then I have a daughter who is going to be 23 here in, in uh, next week. Right. And then another son who's 20. So oh, wow. 20, they're all similar ages. Yeah, yeah, 20, 23, almost 23, and just turned 25. So they're about two years apart. Great okay. kids, boy, girl, boy, great kids. And, and uh, you know, and they're, they're out there just trying to, you know, find their way, right? Yeah. So they're not little trust babies. You know, they're productive in our society and just trying to, trying to make their way. I love it. I'm, I'm just a few years older than them. I'm 27. <laughs> yeah, right on. Right on. So, yeah. so I'm also just figuring life out and just, just yeah. doing what I need to do. But the one thing I believe is like a lot of people look at me now and, and see my content every day and they're like, they genuinely don't think I'm 27 when I tell them. They're like, you're not 27. Like you think like a 37 year old. 
Like, yeah. how are you 27 and you have this, like all of this like knowledge? And I'm just like, for the last six years, I've probably been working more hard on myself than you've been working hard in your job. Right. Right. Exactly right. That's, that's what I've been doing. Like, I, honestly, yeah. man, like I've just been, I've been hustling on myself. That's how I call it. Like I've been working so hard to be from that super shy person that couldn't speak to a woman to now super, super confident, giving a TEDx talk, being a speaker out of all the professions in the world. Like, yeah. how could you go, how could someone go from super shy to being on stage every day and, and loving yeah. the energy, loving the feeling, not even caring what people think about me? And it was just that well, one question know, I asked myself. It's, it's, a, it's a great point. And I, I talk about this all the time. It, a question that we need to ask ourselves regularly is, how do you want to show up? Mm. Okay, how do you want to show up in life? Because it's really on your shoulders. It's not anyone else. You can show up any way you want to. Uh, and so if you, if you set the mark, I always say anyone can be an all-star if you set the bar at your ankles. So if you truly want to be an all-star then, and, you're, and you're really committed to um, self-growth, like, like you were for the last six years, so you continue to run things through your head and certain things resonate and you say, look, you know what? That is a quality that I want to hold on to. That's a quality that I want to bring into my daily lifestyle. I want that to be me. I want to, I want to in- inherently hold on to those qualities. So pretty soon you start self-reflecting and saying, look, I don't want to be this anymore. And it's like you take it and you toss it out. Yeah. I do- I'm not going to be this, this, and this anymore, but I am going to be this and this. I am going to be a good listener. I am going to, I am going to be um, you know, relevant in my thought process. Um, I am going to be present when I'm having conversations with other people, right? Yeah. I'm not going to be on my phone when people are talking to me. The, the, the little things, yeah. right? So it's really interesting, interesting yeah. stuff. And when you're, when you're determined for self-growth, you've got nothing but time on your hands. You can think about it you know, every minute of the day if you want yeah. to. Yeah, and you know, right now, like during this pandemic, because we're recording this at the, at the time of the coronavirus, the COVID nineteen, the pandemic, and um, and you know, for me personally, like I would, I've never imagined something like this was happening now would ever happen to me in my lifetime. I just real? Never imagined it. It was just real when it happened. I was like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. Like, what? We're staying home. We can't go out. What does, what does that mean? That's that's never happened. The shops are closing. Yeah. We can't go to the dry cleaners. Like, what the hell is happening? We can't go out. It's the there's. In my, and so in my life, there's been three. This is the third crisis. The first crisis was the dot-com burst in okay. 2000. Yeah. Okay. That was the first crisis, but it really didn't have, it didn't have an effect on me because I didn't have any money invested in the stock market, right? I didn't have any money. So mm-hmm. no problem. So the dot-com burst, that was one. And then in 2008, the real estate crisis in the United States were that affected because our, the stock market pummeled. But still, it didn't have it didn't affect your ability to go outside. This the the, the C nineteen crisis. My gosh, everybody, everyone on the planet is affected yeah. by it. Everyone, everyone, and you, you you almost feel like your rights are being violated because you can't you can't go out. You can't have a mask. I mean, the other day I went into a hardware store and they and I walked in. I didn't have a mask on, and they go, "Oh, you can't come in." They they they, they made, made me turn right around and leave. Right. Wow, and I understand. I understand it. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction, yeah. but I always say, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. The social distancing thing. The people who need the social distance right now is our media, because the media here in the United States, 
they blown, they got on this thing so fast yeah. that they made everyone think that it was Armageddon. Yeah. But the reality of it is we've lost a little over 30,000 lives in the United States, 30,000. The, the flu, we have a flu virus that comes through here every year. The common flu that hits this country every year kills 300,000 people, okay? Every year. And you don't see people shutting down the entire economy. And so, you know, fortunately, we have a president now like President Trump who has some business sense. He's not a politician. He says things that you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he said that. But he never professed to be a politician, right? Yeah. He's a businessman. And what I love about him is he went in and he's cleaned up every bad deal that we've ever done around the world. You know, we had some deals with China and, and, and other countries and he completely unwound them. He just said, hey, look, that's a shitty deal. We're not going to do that anymore. So that deal is null and void. And then he'll go and he'll put together a better deal that, that, that's, that's, that's a, a great representation for both parties. Everybody wins. So I love that about him. And he's determined to get our economy back on track. I can't imagine what this country would have been like if Hillary would have been the president. I can't imagine. Wow. Okay. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Really interesting. <laughs> that's super cool stuff. I, I know we, we probably can talk about that for ages, Peter, because that's like yes. a that's like a whole other topic. That's like a whole exactly thing. right. Like, I love yeah. it. I find it super curious to learn from other people's thoughts and and how they think about what's going on in the world. Yeah. Um, but we're coming up to the end of the show, and I do something called a final four, Peter, where I ask you four questions, and it's literally the first kind of sentence that comes to your mind. Got it. All right, let's do so, it. All right. So the first question I have for you specifically is in one sentence, what comes to your mind when you hear the word movement? Movement? Yeah. Well, for me, movement, I'd like to think that my movement is, is moving in the right direction. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're moving forward. Yeah. Sometimes the movement may be up and to the right. Sometimes the movement may be just a moment of pause to reflect. Nice. Okay. I like that. I love that. Just moving forward. Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, let's face it. Sometimes financially, when people are digging a hole, I tell them sometimes when you're digging a hole, the first thing you need to do is stop digging. Okay. So just stop digging, put the shovel down, stop digging. And let's just start reflecting on where we're spending our money. So powerful. When you just, when you just pause and reflect, right, that's when you start figuring things out. Yeah. you got what well, you, you have to is because sometimes if you're always moving and just like if there's always, if there's always cl clutter in your life, pretty soon you're just, you're, you're, you, you become numb to everything that is really material. So you got to stop and kind of reset and move. Love that. Super, super. I love that answer. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. The yeah. second question I have for you is what one movie or documentary would you share with all the listeners that has somehow positively influenced your life? It could be like a movie or a documentary Something well, that you know, a documentary that I that I really enjoyed. What was the one of the the McDonald's story? The founder oh. of McDonald's, founder, it was called founder, right? Yeah, founder. With with Michael Keaton. Okay, I thought that movie was so interesting, and I'll and I'll tell you why. Everybody, saw, everyone just saw hamburgers. You know, he started by selling those milkshake makers, right? Yeah, yeah. But so many people saw just one thing and he saw the, the entire thing. He saw the, he saw the real estate play. He saw the, the franchise biz. So I really enjoyed that, that story, that narrative and, and how in, in that day and age, how he was such an innovative thinker and such a big thinker. 
I love that. I have a friend that was also so curious about the founder of Disney, that Walt Disney. Oh. Like he, just the creativity that these amazing men back then had, thinking yeah. so big and creatively that that nobody right nowadays you don't see anyone really thinking out of the box they are but not as much as these people were and that's why they kind of and, and you know what when people create something that's 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 grand and big like those things i mean you think about the amount of times that people have told them that'll never work or you're yeah. crazy or sort of, i i get it all the time people tend to fall in two camps they either the early on in my in my in my company when i was when i was actually writing the operations manual for snap fitness they were saying it won't work. They had their doubts, but I just kept my head down and kept plowing forward because I knew that it would work. And once I built three clubs in the different size markets, I had validation. Once I had validation, there was no stopping me. Mm. So it's just, and, and then you get the other people who say, I was going to do that. I, you know, I thought about that. I was going to do it. You know, people are always like that. Yeah, definitely. They just take they don't they don't take action on the ideas, right? Yeah, they were going to do it. The key word there is you were going to do it. going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Gary V talks a lot about that. It's like you're you're gonna do it. What are you gonna do? Like you're gonna do what? You guys never yeah. take action on things in your life. Right, you're right. You guys say just quit talking. Yeah. Quit talking and get going. That's it. You know what I mean? Don't, it's not gonna it's not gonna fall on your lap. Go yeah. get it. Just like you got the just like you got the people to buy popcorn, right? You got it. Go get it, man. <laughs> go get it. Gonna go get it. Amazing. Love it. Okay, third question is I, and this one I know for sure, like you probably have gone through so many, but if you were to choose your top one book for everybody to go and read, which one would that be? One book. Um, in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the Bible only because there's so many great life lessons in there. True. So many great life lessons on how to treat people. Okay. Yeah. Forget about the respect and trust and faith that you have in God, but that same trust and faith in having in people and humanity, uh, you know, so th there's that, but then, you know, there's other, there's other good books too. I mean, even, you know, R R Richard Branson right there in your backyard, right? I mean, yeah. he's written some great books. Uh, if you take any real outlier um, forward thinking um, individual, they, most of them have written books and, and you have to appreciate the common thread that many of them have, which is just that unbelievable um, discipline and desire to be successful and to overcome adversity and keep trudging forward, even in the most dire times. So, I, I, you know, I love books that are about that, that are kind of motivational and, and inspiring. Awesome. Love it. I love it, guys. Go and check it out. You gotta go. You guys gotta. Pete, I told you now. You gotta go read the. You gotta go check the Bible out. Give give that a read because there are amazing right. stories in there, man. Like so many lives, life, like yeah, real life with, stories. Yeah, start start with the New Testament. Yeah, start with the New Testament because it's it's uh, you know it it just it's an interesting read for one, and there are some real great lessons in there on just how to treat people and how to just be kind and grace graceful and and you know and humility all those things it's pretty mm. amazing when you think about it and, and and it teaches you a lot around how to love thy neighbor right yeah just love one know, another just be, that's the main kind. be kind you know being being kind works 100 percent of the time 100 percent of the time be kind to people strangers everyone it just it just works and, and you know, I talk about this a lot when I, when I do some of my philanthropy. One day a week I get on my bike and I, and I ride, into the, ride my bike into the hood of Miami and I give away cookies and cupcakes and water. 
these people, they have no idea who I am or what I've accomplished in my life, nor should they. But I just roll up in, in old jeans and a t-shirt and, um, and I just make friends. Right. And the, there's not a, I promise you, there's not a one of them that wants to be homeless. There's not a one of them that wants to be on the street. So just showing some empathy and compassion. And then I, I say a, a short prayer with them. Right. And all I, all I ask, cause I'm not one of these guys that when I say some people can say prayers and they just sound like a, like a pastor, right. They, it just flows off their tongue. That's not me. Right. I kind of chop my way through it. But all that I when I'm praying for people, I just say, hey, God, please bless. Let's just say this guy's name is Eric. I say, please bless Eric and show him as much grace and humility as you've shown me in my life. Right. And I leave it like that. And then I just let let the, the, the homeless know, hey, look, you've got a friend. You've got a friend in me. And I'm not you know, I, I'm, I'm your biggest fan. Go get it. You can fight your way out of this and just try to be someone inspiring for him. I love it's, that. It's, it's a tough gig for him. Mm, I love that, man. Super, super. Um, just, just like it's, it's making my heart like really, really soft right now because I'm just like, wow, like that's exactly yeah. one of the things that I want to do. And one of my biggest like long-term goals is when I, when, I, when I have enough money to not worry about money, I want to do my yeah. own charity. So I want to yeah. travel the world. And I, I, like, when I mean do my own charity, I don't want to give charity. I, wanna, I don't want to give money to charities. I want to do the charity myself. Yeah, that's right. And when I, t- I talk about that too. You know what? The the biggest gift that you can give is your time. And I and I realized that. I, did, I started doing this for the homeless here about eight months ago. And it was because I went to church and the message there was, you know, g- giving of your time and giving of yourself. Because it's really easy to write a check. It's really hard to take, you know, two or three hours of your day and, and to go out there. Because by the time you do it all, it's two to three, it's two to four hours of your time. Mm-hmm. And but it's so rewarding. And once I did it once, I knew that that was something that I was going to continue for the rest of my life mm. of giving back in that capacity, literally getting right into the street with the people. I love it, man. I love you, yeah. bro. I love you, Peter. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay. The last one is a, is a little bit more deeper, but if you were to spend a few hours to learn from someone's wisdom, whether they're dead or alive, who would that one person be and why? It could be anyone. Anyone. Wow. You know, I think I would really be interested if you could get a guy like Warren Buffett, Mm. you know, it'd be a cross between like a Warren Buffett or a Steve Jobs. And here's what I love about those. You know, Warren Buffett, I love because he's he's been around so much. I mean, he's got to have such a wealth of wisdom. And you think about his product where he, you know, he pioneered a, 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 a store in really in like in rural America. Right. And he's built this huge empire. He's, he's so diversified and, and, and so vertically integrated in, in his business. Um, he's done extremely well for himself. So he's you know, he would be one if you could get him to just be completely humble and open and honest and share the trials and tribulations of what it took to get where he is today. And yeah, and you know, what is amazing, it, what's uh, what to me is so surprising is the amount of people out there that have have experienced unbelievable wealth and success that don't have the ability to be humble or, or show the human side and talk about the real road, road rash, the real mistakes that were made and, and owning them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Owning, owning your own shit, right? Yeah. Cause we all have our stuff and yeah. we wouldn't be where we are today without walking through some of that. And True. 
I, I'm just amazed because I tell you what, when, when I hear stories of people that, oh, they've never had adversity and every decision they've ever made has been the best decision that could have possibly been made and blah, blah, blah. Look, it's just not true. Okay. It's just not true. We all whiff occasionally and we all have remorse and we've, and we wish that we could have it to do over again. But that's the one thing we talked about it earlier. We all get 24 hours a day. Mm. We don't, you can't buy more. You're not going to get less. We all have it. And, and in that time, you're going to make some mistakes and you just have to own them. And, and, and when it affects other people, you have to very humbly apologize and say, look, I feel bad. I feel bad about that. And, and I wish I, I wish I hadn't done it. I wish I hadn't said it, or I wish I had made a different decision. That's just being honest. And that's how you have to live your life. You truly do. Right. Just humility. Got it. It's just, we're all human. Yeah. And you know what? God made us that way. We're just not. And so I'm just amazed at these people where their, their hubris is so great that they can't get out of their own way. They just, they always think they're the smartest person in the room and they, and they never admit any of their mistakes. It's really a horrible quality mm. because think about it. Think about all the knowledge that can be shared if you're sharing your mistakes. Exactly, yeah. And that's what people right? don't realize. It's like, imagine you just, you never talked about any of the success and you're like, these are the things I sucked at and these are the things that all went wrong. Right. How much more can we learn from those things, right? Than, oh yeah, exactly. I put the car. To me, the, the beauty would be share the mistake, but then share with them what you wish you would have done. In hindsight, how you would have done it differently. Yeah. Okay? That's a book. 100%. That's a book right there. Don't talk about how great you were all the time. Talk about your moments of where you completely suck ass. I love it. You need to write that book, Peter. I'm gonna. I'll buy. <laughs> I will. I, I don't. I, I think I have a book in me. I don't. You know, I may only sell five copies, but somewhere in me, I gotta have a book. Yeah, man. I'm the same. Like I haven't written one yet, but a lot of people want me to write one just through my journey of like what's what's been going on. But yeah, yeah, I would be really interested to see your like to read your book, man, because yours yours would be full of because you're just like just being on this podcast, right? I can just tell you're super real, you're you're so authentic and transparent and humble and honest that you just know if you were to write a book, all your emotions and feelings will go into that book, and you share sure. every single thing that you sucked at and that you're still sucking at. You share it yeah. all in that book for us to learn from, right? Right. That I, I tell you what, I, I mean, in times of adversity is where all the growth is. I say it all the time, and that's that's where the growth is, right there. I love it. Peter, I'm so grateful to have had this conversation with you. Is there one last thing that you can say before you share how everybody can go and like reach out to you? One last message for the audience. Yeah, one last message. So you know, look, you know what? Life, life is great. It's great. And it's not always up and to the right. It has it has dips, right? And it's it, it's always evolving. And just always put your best foot forward. But the things to always remember is just always be kind, right? Be kind to everyone that you meet, right? And, and, and uh, just don't let fear control you. Understand that through fear is where all your growth is going to come. Work through it, right? And um, I tell you, there, there's nothing more rewarding than, than having complete confidence in yourself hmm. and your abilities and, and then just pressing forward, taking action and moving which is just such a great feeling. Like what you did, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%, definitely. You think about it, six years ago, you were shy, yeah. you, you're introverted, just playing video games, and look at you today, here you are. Yeah, and, and sometimes I pinch myself, I'm like, how am I like, I genuinely sometimes I'm so, like when I did my TEDx talk especially, that was like probably the biggest accomplishment in my whole life so far. 
Because yeah. like to get a TEDx is not easy, man. It's freaking hard. I, I hustled yeah. for three months at the end of 2019 when I decided I want to do one in 2020. And I, and I based it all on my followers on Instagram. They wanted me to do a TEDx. So I was like, you know what? Just to prove to you guys that when I put my mind to something, I can do it. I'll show you guys yeah. in 2020, in this year, 2020, I'm going to get a TEDx. And it took me three months to hustle and stalk yeah. every organizer there was in London and literally message and com- comment on every single one of the organizers' posts until one of them like, you know, saw the attention that I really want to be of service and come and share my story. And I finally did one three weeks ago. And I was like, this, I pinched myself that day. I was like, damn, like, I never thought that me, like Sadiq, this, this little Asian kid from, from, the, from the, one of the poorest boroughs here in London, like me, giving a TEDx talk, I never would have thought I would have done that. Someone that was so shy, introverted. So, so when did you think, so for you six years ago, what was the, what was the point in time where, where, you were, where you had that moment, that aha moment where you said, look, I'm not going to be this anymore. I'm not going to play, I'm not going to play, uh, you know, uh, Xbox all day anymore. I'm not, I'm done with this, this chapter, I'm closing this chapter. Where were you and what was it that made you get to that place where you said, I'm, I gotta, I gotta change. So those two, those two things. The first thing was I met a friend for hot chocolate and he shared one page from the book, rich dad, poor dad. He shared yeah. the cash flow quadrant with me. You know, the ESBI, yeah. employee, small business, big business. He just shared that to me on a piece of paper, literally pulled out a piece of paper. He said, Sadiq, I want to show you something that I learned. He showed me that on a piece of paper, he drew the whole thing out and explained to me the difference between the, how the rich think and how the poor think. And nobody my whole life, Peter, has ever taught me anything around financial education, taxes, mortgages, how, how to buy a house. Nobody teaches you these things in, in, in university yeah. and school. So when he showed me this piece of paper and these four quadrants, I was like, holy crap. Nobody taught me the other three apart from one, which is the employee. Like go and work for someone else and study hard and, and, and work for someone else for the rest of your life. So when he showed me that, that book, that page from that book, that's the day, that's the first day that completely just, I swear, I don't know what happened to me, but something just shifted in my mind. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Like I've never, ever learned anything this amazing in my life. Can yeah. you imagine? It was so amazing and refreshing to, to learn something like that. That I left my PlayStation, the, the thing it's that like, I loved playing every day. I left that for personal yeah. growth. Yeah. It it's like a light bulb went off, right? Yeah, literally. It was genuinely just like a popcorn moment. I was like, wow. That was the first thing. The second thing was, was one day in my bed, literally right here behind me. After, uh, this was after a year of doing personal growth. So after a year of growing my mindset to somewhat confident, I started, like, I just asked myself one question one day. I, just, I, I wanted to share my knowledge that I'm learning because it, it helped me become so confident. It changed me in one year. So I wanted to share it. So I wanted to start making videos and post, I post it as content on social media. But I was scared. I was worried about what my parents would think, my friends, the, my, like all the people were laughing. Right, you're worried that people were going to laugh at you and you're going to embarrass yourself. 100%. That's the really? one thing that I didn't do. Like, I was so scared that they're gonna, they are going to laugh. And they did freaking laugh at the time. Because they're like, what do yeah. you think you are, the, the new Asian Tony Robbins? And I'm like, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. They were taking the piss. They were, they were laughing. But, you know, that one question, the second, that's, this second moment was one question that changed my mind that I asked myself, which was just Sadiq. Why are you giving a crap? Why are you giving a shit about what other people are thinking about you? Why? You're, you're losing out on helping people in the world, something that you love doing. You're losing out on that because of your friends laughing, because your parents are telling you you're not going to make it big in your life. Like, why are you doing this? And that right. it was the second shift for me when I was like, I was like, literally like, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't give a crap about my friends, my family, and everybody. I'm going to start making these videos and posting them. And today yeah. I've been posting content for over five years. 
growing growing on, on on every single platform sharing my inspirational insights and messages and my personal growth journey with everyone and and i've gained so much like loyalty from the people that follow me now that i, I i've always i've always told people never worry about the numbers if you can change one person's life every day that's that's the that's a gift for me that's absolutely a gift. yeah 100% 100% i love to i love to get your uh, instagram handle yeah, so for me, like yeah, for social media, for me, I only I only do Instagram because Instagram flows into Facebook, and yeah. you know I can't I can't manage five different sites, so <laughs> I keep it really easy for my followers to just just find me on Instagram and and uh, you know I I do multiple posts a week. Yeah, no, and, I follow uh, I follow you because I started following you two weeks ago, and I, that's why yeah, I, right I, I'm following your posts. And I was like, do, like guys, if you don't follow in, um, oh yeah, by the way, Peter, go tell them what your Instagram handle is and. Which platforms yeah. do you live in the most? And how, if they yeah, need so any, the, any guidance or anything, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, yeah guys, the, the best way to find me is literally Instagram. And, it, and, and, it's, and it's really easy. It's Peter underscore Taunton, my last name, which is T-A-U-N-T-O-N. So Peter underscore Taunton. That's the only place that I do any posts. And hmm. there's two different kind of posts that I do. The regular post, which is usually IGTV, which is a video that I create, which is typically thought provoking it's either business related or life related that there's that but then my little stories that I do the stories are going to be more about me when I'm just out kicking around when I'm walking rosy you know whether I'm out on my boat or whatever it is that I'm doing that's that gives you a glimpse of who I am and kind of what I do when I'm not when I'm not working Right, so. and I love watching them. For the, for the guys that are listening, still, like honestly, you have to follow you because his stories are amazing. Literally, the one thing that just blows, blows my mind every time is like every time I see his stories, I'm like, man, I wish I'd lived in his house, man. Like the the the, the <laughs> sea on the side, like the beautiful swimming pool, and like I just see your house. I'm like, man, that's like for me the ultimate dream, right? Like, that's that's the kind yeah. of place I would love to live in one day. But obviously, yeah, like I, I know that. And so that's a, that's a great, a great message. You know, and I've, I've had an unbelievable life. I've been fine. I've been blessed more than probably anyone, anyone deserves. But at the end of the day, the takeaway is money doesn't make the man. All right. And understand that money does not define me. And I, and I hope someday that, that, you know, when someday when I die, that it's not, they're not talking about all the money I've made. I hope they talk about my legacy is the, the lives that I've helped change in a, in a good way. Right. So that's, I hope that's where that's what people remember about me. They will, man. Honestly, they yeah. will. I, I, you already had a, have have had a massive influence and impact in my life, and I'm yeah. sure all your followers on Instagram. I'm sure you are inspiring all of them. And man, honestly, Peter, I'm just like just for the last time, I just want to say how super grateful I am that I've got connected with you, and I can't wait to get to know you better and and yeah. be of service to you and help you however I can as well. Yeah. Um, I will be making a post for you specifically around that quote that you shared earlier on, so I'll share yeah. that with you soon. But honestly, if I can ever be of service to you or help in any way, please let me know because um, um, I, I really just want to help as many people as I can and in whatever way I can. So now, hey, this is this is my pleasure. As I said before, you know what? Happy happy to come back on your show anytime you'd like. My my pleasure. This is good. <laughs> Good banter back and forth, and yeah. you know, good, good context for all your all your listeners. Hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I would. I would honestly, I will have you back for sure. Um, yeah. In a, couple, in a couple months' time, I'll reach out to you again, and definitely have yeah. you back, and we can speak. I'm here it. for you. You know how to find me. Uh, tag me on your Instagram, and then I'll repost it for my followers as well. Awesome. To yeah. Awesome. I, I will. I'll share everything with you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Right awesome. on. Hey, thank, you so, thank you so much for being on my on my show, and um, and I, I, I wish you an amazing rest of your day. 
Yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you again. If I ever get to London, I'll look you up and you do the same if you ever come to the States. 100%. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to catch up with a coffee, man. Yeah, right on, brother. All yeah. right. Nice All to right. see you. Take care. Nice to you. Take care. Bye. If you're still there, I just want to say a massive thank you for your attention and your time. It really means a lot to me. Please do me one favor and subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends and leave a rating on whichever platform you're listening to this. It would honestly mean the world to me. Thank you so much once again. I hope that this episode brought value and inspiration into your life and I'll see you guys next week.